The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us riding shotgun for another episode of Trip Talk. It's always a beautiful day out on the open roads, at least the open roads of our minds as we plan our journeys in this life. And we are delighted and especially honored today to have with us the beaver himself, Jerry Mathers. I also wanted to say hello to Thomas Arthur Rep. He's the co-founder of American Road, as you know. He'll be participating in today's discussion because why not? This is going to be a great time this half hour, and we will speed along a little bit of mad props, as I like to call them, for Mr. Jerry Mathers. His show business career began at the tender age of two when a pet condensed milk commercial with Ed Wynn and by six had made many appearances in early 1950s television shows. He goes way back. His movie debut in 1954 was with Linda Darnell in This Is My Love, followed in 1955 by Alfred Hitchcock's classic The Trouble with Harry, starring John Forsythe and Shirley MacLaine, and two Bob Hope movies followed that, and two movies with Alan Ladd. Leave it to Beaver debuted in October 1957, ran for six seasons, 234 episodes, and 63 years later, it is still seen in wonderful, glorious reruns even today. And so we say hello for the first time on Trip Talk to Jerry Mathers. Jerry, how are you today, sir? I couldn't be better. How are you doing? I am doing very well. You and I have, if not a standing appointment, Jerry, at least every now and again we get together on the TV tube, and I thoroughly enjoy your work as a young lad where you made an impression on America, and it turns out on many, many other countries as well, and that's why you're a household name around the world. Leave it to Beaver. What an extraordinary show. There's so much to be said about that, and I do want to get to that in just a moment, but I need to bring Thomas Arthur Rep into this conversation. Thomas, you and I have looked forward to this day for a while. We've got the Beaver with us. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. It's, it's a bit of a dream come true. I grew up with Leave it to Beaver, as so many of our listeners did. Just a, a wonderful piece of Americana. And I got thinking, I, I don't claim to be any big literature reader there. I read nonfiction more than novels. But a long time ago, uh, Jerry, I read The Great Gatsby. And the closing line from The Great Gatsby has always stuck with me. It really speaks to what it means to be an American, in my view. And that line is, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. And I tell you, Jerry, if we were to treasure the past, and we do, and if we were to attach a face and a name to it, which we also do, your name and your face, especially your childhood face, would be emblematic of what it means to be a nostalgic American. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's quite a compliment, but it, in some ways it bears a lot of truth. Leave it to Beaver is the longest-running show in television history. It hasn't been off the air since 1957. Um, and I've been an actor since about 1950, so even before Leave it to Beaver, I have a lot of stuff, but very definitely the thing I'll be remembered for always is Leave it to Beaver. And yet you are, from a young age, it's really extraordinary, Jerry, that you're a journeyman actor all the same. I can't name anyone else at such a young age that I could actually talk to who was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. What a what a privilege to be able to work with him. Oh, yeah, I did... Uh... Trouble with Harry, that was a movie that, one of the very first ones that he actually 
um, was the both the producer and the director of. It was Shirley MacLaine's first movies, and I think one of John Forsythe's first movies, too. And I had already done several movies before that, but it was a lot of fun. We went to Stowe, Vermont, um, and it was very beautiful there, and we had a really good time. And um, because it wasn't at a studio, we used to have the ladies, or they did, make um, lunches for us, and they'd have like five or six ladies because it was a big crew and all the cast. And then they'd all make blueberry muffins, which they were very famous for back there. And I'd always follow behind Mr. Hitchcock because he was a, a gourmet, and I'd see which blueberry muffin lady he liked that day. And that was always, I knew, the best blueberry muffins for that day. <laughs> you had business savvy even way back then. I love that. I had stomach savvy. <laughs> Thomas Arthur Rep. when I think of Jerry Mathers being on this show, and I think of American Road Magazine, it's like a match made in heaven because when it comes to the power of nostalgia and the great collective remembrance of things that brought us in pop culture terms to who we are today and what we look upon in the past with joy and with pride, that's really in your wheelhouse. That's what you and Becky, your wife, are about. Well, I was actually in uh, preparation of today, I, I took a spin through the Leave it to Beaver canon. And I was very much impressed with how many of them actually touch upon road travel in some capacity. Um, some of these episodes, I need to ask Jerry, if I might, about my favorite episode of the series. I'm sure he gets questions about it all the time, but it's the episode, it's called In the Soup. It was a season four, episode 32. And it's the episode in which Whitey and Beaver are walking down the street and they see this roadside billboard. And this roadside billboard has this enormous figure of a woman holding a soup tureen on it. I think it's for Zesto Soups, I think is the name of the fictional soup. And this uh, tureen is giving off steam. And the two boys, they have this discussion and it turns into a contest, as you know, so many conversations between young boys would. And Beaver insists that there is soup inside that tureen. And Whitey says, no, there's not. So Beaver climbs up this large, large billboard, and he actually falls in the tureen. And, you know, hilarity ensues. And I, I wanted to ask Jerry, um, what do you remember about filming that episode? Well, I think the one thing that stands out the most, and it's not anything that I, you know, was uh, aware of, but I am aware of it now, that was the most expensive one they ever did because not only did they have to build the billboard on the back lot of Universal, and it was a huge coffee cup that I uh, climbed up, and, 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 or soup bowl, people never can tell what re really was, and <laughs> fell into. And so it was the most expensive one they, we ever did, and it was a lot of work because when they did the close-ups, they had to put them all up, the cameras on huge um, cranes, and it was very, very exciting. So it was a really fun episode that really stuck with me, you know, all the shows were fun, but that one was especially fun. Did they actually have you climbing that billboard, or was that? Did they have a? I mean, when you were small, did they use a double for those kinds of things, or or what was the story behind that? Well, they did have a double there for me, but um, I did it the very first time, and then the teacher got a little worried because your teacher works uh, as you're also the welfare worker, and said. They said they wanted to reshoot it, and they said, oh, no, Jerry's not doing that again. If I'd have seen him do it the, you know, the first time, I wouldn't have let him. And so then they had somebody else do it and put on the exact same outfit, but it just didn't look like me at all. I mean, it was a stuntman, so he was 
about my size. It was, you know, uh, a very small person, but just didn't look like me. So they ended up actually using me crawling up into it. That's amazing. I know that it cost, you're mentioning that it was the most expensive um, episode of the series. And I've read, I don't know if it's true or not, but something like $40,000 to make that billboard, which in those days for, you know, a syndicated, uh, you know, a TV show is just incredible. Um, do you know who had the idea for that? You know, I really don't. I, I, a lot of the shows came from real life. Now, I don't know if that one did or not. But a lot of times we'd read things like in magazines or, I mean, I would and people, and then weeks later or even sometimes years later, it would somehow work its way into the show. But the two writers, although I don't think this ever happened to any of them, uh, the two writers had like 14 children between them. So a lot of the stuff and the uh, way we spoke and the, some of the jargon that we used um, was things that they heard their kids or when their kids were playing or whatever – so a lot of it was from real life. It wasn't just people going into a room and, you know, saying, well, what would a child say? They heard their kids say something, and a lot of the things that actually happened on Leave it to Beaver happened to their kids. You know, one interesting thing about that episode with the billboard, um, I've been fascinated with it. I remember seeing it when I was a kid, but I actually um, did some research on, like, where they, they might have came up with the idea for that huge billboard. And I actually went back and I, I looked at the way billboards were have been used in films. And the earliest reference I got, and it's it's so interesting to me because I, I think it, it is kind of a uh, uh, sets a little precedent for the steam coming out of that super soup bowl or coffee cup, whatever it was. In 1949, um, the Marx Brothers did a film called Love Happy. It was a vehicle for Harpo. And in by himself originally, they couldn't get funding for it, so they sold product placement. And the, the climax of that film is this wonderful sequence across rooftops in Times Square set against this backdrop of large neon signs, some of them animated. And at one point, Harpo gets stuck inside a cool penguin. Remember the old cool penguin, um, the cool cigarette penguin? And the penguin is actually raising a cigarette to its beak and... It's, it's blowing out, you know, in and out smoke or steam. I'm sure it was steam. I'm sure it wasn't smoke, um, the way they manufactured this sign. But when I see that, I always wonder if that kind of played into the idea, you know, for this large steaming billboard, because that's the earliest roadside example I could find in my research. You know, that you, with your research, are probably right. I have no idea. You know, being a child, I had not, in fact, I didn't have any input into the show, so I would get a script on a, on a Friday night after we'd finished the last episode, and on, over the weekend we'd study it. And so when I got them, each one was very, very interesting. Of course, this one really sounded interesting. Um, but uh, it was kind of funny because a lot of the shots, you'll notice I don't really look the same. Well, that's because it took so long to get me in and up out there that a lot of times they'd have, they had my uh, stand-in uh, shoot some of the long shots just because they had, I had to go to school for three hours a day and the, the teacher was very, very, and she was also a welfare worker, was very worried that I might have an accident or stand up, whatever could happen. So um, it was just a really fun show to do and a lot of, you know, to be out there and be way up there in the, in the sky, basically. And uh, I had a good time on that show. Do any of the other episodes stand out in your mind that have to do with um, automobile or auto travel? There's an episode called Beaver Takes a Drive. And it's just so 
um, realistic in its depiction. Um, it has the beaver, and I think it's Gilbert as the child, and you're sitting in the driveway pretending you're on a trip. You're pretending you're adults, and the dialogue is just so wonderful because the, the two kids have this, this conversation, and it, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to imitate what they hear their parents say on a drive, and it's just so genuine. And then Beaver puts the car in uh, neutral by mistake, and it slides out into the road, and um, you're stuck there in the traffic. Are, are, do you remember any of that episode? You know, it's probably like days in school for you when you were in elementary school. I remember the episode. If you ask me for, like, lines that were said or things like that. But generally, when people mention a certain episode, um, especially one like that where that was the main focus of it, I get a lot of people, though, they'll ask me about some, you know, what color was this or, you know, all <laughs> sorts of odd questions. And I just don't even know because it wasn't anything that at the time what we thought was important. Do you have I, a favorite episode? Do you have a favorite? I'm sorry. Um, do you have a favorite episode yourself? You know, that'd be like asking you when you were in school, what was your favorite day? There were just okay. so many. All the people I met, you know, Edgar Buchanan and, of course, all you know, the, 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 the staff itself and the people behind the scenes. And we just had a, a wonderful time. It was six wonderful years of meeting people and doing things that you know no other child will ever be able to to do i went to new york i met all sorts of people to be able to walk around the set i had worked with alfred hitchcock uh, before doing leave it to beaver and he was shooting alfred hitchcock presents i could go and talk to him you know i'd go into the uh the the dining room for lunch and all these people that you would see on television and movies they were all friends of mine now i just took thought that was like an everyday thing, that everybody knew all these people. But I didn't realize till some years later how lucky I was to have such a blessed childhood. Well, we're, we're lucky to have the show. I mean, when you watch it today, it just it holds up so well. Um, Gary, don't you, don't you agree when you watch an episode of Leave it to Beaver? I mean, it's just I, I'm, I'm, I stand in amazement sometimes at how well those scripts are put together. Because Absolutely. they're not em embellished in, you know, they're not being clever for the sake of being clever. There's just like a genuine warmth there. And the the relationship between the kids, it's something that you could actually imagine, you know, kids participating in. Oh, no question about it. And Jerry, you worked on one of those sets that was blessed with harmony, unlike many, where there's a lot of fighting between the stars and egos get involved. But it wasn't like that with you folks. No, and I think the writers... The writers had about, I think it was 13, to Joe Connie and Bob Mosier, 12 or 13 kids between them. And so it was something that, you know, a lot of times they would see their kids or my mom or dad or Tony Dow's mother or father would say, oh, you know what they did? And all of a sudden we, three or four scripts later, find that, you know, subtly weaved into the show. So it was just a great cast. They, they were very careful with the crew. All the crew had were family people and uh, – you know, on a on a sound stage, there can be some you know all sorts of things going on, but not on Leave It to Beaver. It was the most fun place anybody and everybody wanted to work there because kids can only work from either eight to five or nine to six. They shoot a few more scenes of close-ups, maybe with the parents, where the others might be going home at eight or nine, ten o'clock at night. Leave It to Beaver was eight to five or nine to six, and maybe seven if it was a bad week for them. And in the 
in the ensuing years, Jerry, I find it so remarkable. As a matter of fact, there I need to give you some credit because as far as I can tell, and I don't have all the dates and the figures, but it seems to me in my pop culture viewing experience, when you made the TV reunion movie and how wonderful that that happened, Still the Beaver, when that happened, it seems to have foreshadowed this idea of rebooting classic television so that people who are not satisfied in many cases with the products on television these days, even in a cable universe of 500 stations, with that being the case, Still the Beaver is the kind of TV reunion movie that got the nostalgia craze kicked into high gear so that others must have thought, look at what they did with the Leave it to Beaver franchise. We can do that as well. And then here's a reboot and there's a reboot. Well, you know, that's true, and, and Leave it to Beaver was that kind of a show because what they realized very quickly was that all the people that were watching Leave it to Beaver, of course adults watched it, but a lot of kids watched it growing up, and it had been in constant reruns, and then suddenly when we came back with the new show and I had kids, they were seeing their life, and then they were seeing the show again except with new characters. And that created a lot of new warm feelings and a new devoted, a new generation of devoted viewers. I just love that idea. And as part of that, you know, Jerry and Thomas, it would only be fair for us to mention because we lost this gentleman recently. Ken Osmond put the stamp of his personality forever on that show and memories of Leave it to Beaver with this irrepressible and Let's just say he sailed a little near the wind in his dealings with the Cleaver family as Eddie Haskell. Well, you know, probably uh, I've always said this. Um, uh, he was the best actor on the show because I was playing basically a little boy, which I was. So was Tony. Hugh Beaumont was a wonderful person, the person who played Ward, my father. He was actually a Methodist minister. So I, a lot of times when he was talking, I thought... You know, especially when you take me in after I'd done something on the show that I needed a talking to. Barbara Billingsley was a very famous New York model, but uh, he was probably the best actor because he was so different than the character he played. And Thomas, all these years later, it's fascinating to me to see how people show the love. Jerry's got stories. He has people coming up to him who will address him in their own native tongue and Jerry speaking English and they have listened to him in Spanish or Japanese or German and they come up with the enthusiasm of full-blown devotees of Leave it to Beaver and want to get a piece of the beaver for themselves. This is the idea, Thomas, of, of nostalgia and people wanting to get up, and up personal, up close to their stars so they can just express their love for what they have meant to them. You know, one question that I wanted to pass along because you just um, sparked it in, in my memory. Sometimes we'll get a, a reader asking us, where is Mayfield in the United States? Where was Leave it to Beaver set? We've had that question from, from uh, a few readers. And I, I wanted to ask Jerry um, what his opinion is. Is it supposed to be a, in a certain state or is it just like an, an everywhere town, USA or or how does he feel about that? Because I never know how to answer the question. I know there's a Mayfield in Ohio, northeast of Cleveland, but some of the references in, in the show don't seem to fit Ohio. Well, you know, I think that's one of the things that the writers did very uh, particularly. They didn't want the show to be in California or New York or Iowa 
or any other state. They wanted it to be about a little boy growing up in America. So they went to a great length to never mention anything that they thought would be able to say people or people could say, oh, it's in the South. No, it's in here. It's in there. So they were very, very uh, conscious of that. And because of that, they never said exactly where it was. You know, he may be going to here or there, but they never said exactly where it was. It was just a family growing up in middle America someplace. I'm glad it was that way. I don't know about you, Thomas, but when Jerry says that, it tells me that Leave it to Beaver has a universality to it. And time bore that out because it, it's on, I believe, didn't you say one time, Jerry, it was on over 40 different countries in as many languages? Absolutely. It's oh, a little embarrassing in some of those countries. Uh, not really, but uh, like in, in Japan, because I don't know why, they have a little girl dub in my voice for the first few years, but it's for the whole six years. So at the end, I'm like 14. Not only am I speaking Japanese, but I definitely have a very high little girl voice. <laughs> well, that's if that's the price you pay for fame and love, it's okay by you, I'm quite it's sure. Cheap. If that's it's... all you have to pay, it's very cheap. <laughs> so, and that would be a lot of languages too. Of course, as I'm sitting here thinking, is in England, it's one thing. I don't suppose they gave you a British accent or an Australian one there, but like, all these other minute, languages. What? They didn't give me any. The BBC in England would not show Leave It to Beaver because they said it was an un. Uh, it wasn't what kids in the United States were really like, and it would be a bad influence on the British. Uh, but, you know, everybody else liked it, but not England. The BBC in England banned Leave it to Beaver. Thomas, we've got a scoop. Oh, well, it's only about 40 <laughs> years old, but it is a scoop. <laughs> oh, my God. I would not have thought that in a million years. I'm trying to digest that. What exactly did they object to? They, it was, we never really knew, but, you know, it's, it's I think it's the BBC, uh, would, but like Canada had it, and it was in France, it was in you know Germany, it was all over the world. And in fact, in, like in Japan, I have a girl's voice to dub me, and it's just all over in all these different languages. But they, for some reason, thought it was not a good representation. They said it was a bad representation, and they didn't want their kids to think that's the way children were supposed to be. Well, now listen to this. this I, I dig this so much. So Leave it to Beaver goes off the air out of production anyway, and it lives on forever in syndication there. But it, it left the network airwaves in June of 1963. And the good folks in England, the muckety-mucks of the BBC or whoever made these decisions, didn't want to have any improper influences, anybody rocking the boat for English youth. Well, you give it less than a year. In fact, during that same year in England, these four young men from Liverpool come along and they redefine what it was to be youthful at that time around the world. That's absolutely <laughs> true. But, you know, Leave it to Beaver would have been a bad influence. <laughs> I love that. In uh, We have about a minute and a half to go here. Jerry, and I know Thomas will want to hear about this as well. Uh, tell people where they can go to your website, because Thomas and American Road Magazine are all about where people can go to meet the stars. And certainly you would be at the top of the list for people who are baby boomers, people who remember. You've got a number of events that because of the pandemic you had to postpone, but they're coming along in 2021. Well, yes. Uh, let me tell you where you can go. It, it's it's on the web. 
and it's www.jerrymathers, J-E-R-R-Y-M-A-T-H-E-R-S, Beaver, B-E-A-V-E-R, merch, and then a .com. And I'll have everything there where I'm going to be, different things you can get, um, T-shirts, personalized photos. Uh, I have also some stuff that says Beaver for President hats and pins. So uh, my wife does most of that, and she thinks I should be president. For some reason, she wants to live in the White House. (laughs) Well, I can hardly blame her, and you'll live everywhere because of the universality of Leave it to Beaver and the fact that very consciously the creators of the show decided it would be a show for any town USA. I think that was a a very wise move on their part. And so we all get to enjoy you even this many years later, Jerry. Well, thank you very much. You know what? I had much more fun doing it and it was just a wonderful experience. The people I'm still meeting today like you guys and get to talk to, it was just one of the best times of my life and it's something I can really look back on with very fond memories. That's beautifully said. Thomas, anything more from you? No, no, I just, I want to say thank you, Jerry. It's, it's been really wonderful talking with you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for letting me. Jerry Mathers, forever the beaver, but he represents so much more and so much that is wholesome about American life from then until now, and I'm sure well into the future. We're happy to have Thomas with us, and he's going to get mad at me if I don't include this part. We have a new sponsor. Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use and is available on Apple and Android. Download it now. Drive Weather for a safer road trip. Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us. It was great to talk to Jerry Mathers. It's beautiful when we can meet with people who have the have the background and they have this stature that they can share with us because people who are not satisfied by what they see going on around them inevitably go into the past and find something and someone to treasure. Don't you agree? Oh, I do, definitely, without question. Thank you for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview and enjoy the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. 